Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts, Chris Schubert, floating around producing this thing. We are from the Draft Network, and we are brought to you by Bet Online, the number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National M&M Day to you. What's your favorite color, M&M? Um, blue. What's your favorite kind of M&M? Peanut. Really? Yeah. Not a big peanut M&M guy, personally. Bad take. Almonds, good. Peanut, crispy M&Ms. Really? Pretzel M&Ms. Like a little crunch on the inside. Not nuts, though. Shuby? Uh, the color of the M&M doesn't matter. It's not a Starburst. It doesn't taste differently. So who cares what your favorite color M&M is and pretzel? You could tell Chris wasn't a child like we were when the blue M&Ms came out. You probably lived your whole life thinking that blue M&Ms have always been there. But, but Joe, right. I don't know. I, but help me with something. What is the, the, the color of the M&M doesn't matter. Like your favorite Skittle, maybe. They, they, they kind of taste differently. Starburst, they taste differently. M&M, all the same, all chocolate. Just color differently on the outside. There's a fun factor associated with it Correct. i disagree strongly it's kind of like line with your your allegiances of, of yeah. sports yeah it's like white american cheese yellow american cheese they're the same there's nothing different about the way they taste but there's a there's a way you feel uh, right uh, i don't know there is as a connoisseur of both white american and yellow the american same. the yellow american does taste a little stronger at times <laughs> is that brand to brand are you sure have you stacked up the uh same you know company joe, joe it's a great point it, it could be a brand difference <laughs> it's fair that's fair okay uh, can we get into the show please <laughs> yes yes please. we may weekly watch list to kick things off and folks whether it's college in six ranked games or the nfl and some big time showdowns be- between some hot teams we got a weekend ahead of us in the world of football so, um, let's start first and foremost. Chris's Mountaineers play on Thursday night. They play tonight, uh, seven o'clock. So they you can get a jump start on football before Thursday night football between the Commanders and Bears. Uh, Friday, couple of college games. Just something to throw on the tube. UTSA and Florida International and Navy and SMU. You get Rasheed Rice on TV on Friday night. Right. I'll be there. I'll That's, be there. Are you I, going I might, to the game? No, I'm not going wow. to the game. Just as a member of the Rasheed Rice fan club, I will be watching the game. He's okay. one of my dudes this year. Yeah, we gotta get. I gotta get eyes on him because Chris keeps talking about him. Um, and then yeah, Joe, do you want to go like twelve, three thirty, seven o'clock late slate as far as what what's you're most interested in for college on Saturday? Sure, I wrote down. The games, I did not write down the time slots, so I feel like I'm oh, going to be okay. all over the cool. place. Cool, 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 cool. Well, I can tell you uh, Penn State at Michigan is at 12 noon. Yeah, I had that down. At Ann Armour. That's um, that's a big one. I would say probably your your second screen here is probably Auburn Old Miss. For the noon yeah, kicks? Yeah, 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 for the noon yeah. kicks. If you got a second screen, I would say Auburn Ole Miss, which is on ESPN. Um. 
Then the 3.30 slate, you've got three matchups of top 20 ranked teams, so that's fun. Uh, Alabama at Tennessee. This slot's really going to test the Joe theory of only watching one game at a time. Like, Joe's going to have a tough time with this one. Okay, let me clarify the Joe theory. I watch one game at a time. I have a second screen for me to peek at during commercials and extended breaks. But, like, this whole idea that you feel like you can watch three games at the same time, you can't do it. You have no idea what's going on. Right. Well, Joe, again, even the newly uh, explained Joe theory is going to be in question because there's three games in the 1230 slot that we got to have eyes on. Well, the primary focus is Alabama and Tennessee. Well, because you've been talking about that game for a decade now, so right, and it's 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 we don't know what's going to happen in the game, but the circumstances that have made it a premier game have absolutely come to fruition. I'd like to sincerely apologize to Kyle for interrupting him to attack the Joe theory. It's fine. It's fine. Kyle, it's no please proceed with the other two games. Uh, yeah, Alabama at Tennessee, three thirty on CBS. Oklahoma State at TCU at 3.30 on ABC, and then ACC Network. Folks, you get NC State at Syracuse. Those are all top 20 teams playing against each other right now. If you can only watch two in the 3.30 slate. I'm not voluntarily watching NC State Syracuse. I'll have it on because it's my third screen, but it's like I'm not like, oh, I got to watch that game. Loki Arkansas BYU at the same time is interesting. I actually think that's more interesting than NC State Syracuse. Arkansas and BYU, come on, dude. How many draft prospects does Syracuse have? Berger on the left tackle, Sean Tucker, um, Garrett Williams, Michael Jones. So four, like legit okay. off the top of my head. Uh, Arkansas has got an equal number and BYU's got an equal number and they have a quarterback. That's interesting. People think Devin Leary's interesting. Okay. I don't know. The splitting hairs. Okay. Uh, seven o'clock slate. We have Clemson at Florida state. Lame. We have, yeah, I know. I'm just I'm getting there. LSU at Florida. You could say that's also lame if you like. Um, Mississippi State at Kentucky. Will Rogers and Will and Will. Are they both quarterback playing? or quarterback? I assume so. It's tentative. If Will Levis is not playing, go ahead and strike that from the interesting list. <laughs> um, USC at Utah at eight o'clock. That's a good one. And then Washington State at Oregon State at nine o'clock. USC Utah. That's going to be fun. Uh, good test. Clark Phillips versus Jordan Addison, right? That's a huge matchup in that game that I'll be focused in on. So, I mean, what's the, what's the one what's the one matchup that you are kind of drawn to the most from a prospects perspective? Obviously, that's kind of just the best game we went through the best games. But like out of all the games that we mentioned, what do you think is the most compelling from a prospect perspective? Yes. Hmm. Man, um, there's there's individual appeal about a lot of these games. Um, I, I hate to do do the quarterback theme, but like Hendon Hooker against the Bama defense is interesting to me. Darnell right the left tackle there, uh, or actually the right tackle, excuse me, for Tennessee against. Some good speedy rushers and Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. I'm very intrigued to see what type of impact Byron Young can make against the Alabama offensive line. A healthy Bryce Young against this pass rush for Tennessee is interesting to me. Hopefully we get that. Who do you have in the game? If Bryce Young plays Alabama, if Bryce Young doesn't play Tennessee. I think Tennessee either way. Are you kidding? I'm picking the Vols. That's like I'm one in. of those. I'm so in. my brother as a Vols fan very much is subscribing to the message of I'll believe it when I see it. Right? Like Alabama's had a ton of success over Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But 
I think I'm glad Frank and I found some common ground here. So I believe it when I see it. Give me the balls. Okay. Uh, NFL? You going to do NFL? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, excuse whoa, me. Whoa. You know what? I, sk- I skipped two bits. My apologies. Chris, mid-major matchup. Don't tell me it's Arkansas-BYU. Go ahead. It's not. It's not. It is the newly ranked and deserve Dukes. your respect. Dukes. James Madison University. They take on Georgia Southern at 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. We will be watching James Madison. They're unbeaten in the Sun Belt, unbeaten on the year. 25th ranked team in the country. Put some respect. Uh, and they have effectively shellacked everybody that's not App State. But the fact Correct. that they beat App State in general at App State, this was an FCS team last year. Right. <laughs> it's big. Um, they're home against Marshall, and then they're at Louisville on November 5th. And then the big one they, is the if they run the table at the end of the year, them and Coastal will both be unbeaten. A collision course. So that'll it's be a fun. New Year's New Year's Day bowl on the line. So a lot of fun. And then the um, other bit I saw the answer to, so I can't participate. I was scrolling Joe, through games and che- cheapest ticket in college football. Oh gosh, is what? Uh, I haven't looked. Um, Good. I don't. I mean, how do you? There's like probably fifty games. Um, That's the fun Joe, part of the, the bit, Joe. This this matchup features a ranked team and the ticket is cheaper is cheaper than the three dollar ticket for temple at ucf on friday Lord, night it's cheaper than that i can't is confirm. It, so is it the james madison georgia southern game no, how, no, uh, how dare you be disrespectful there's a cheaper the ticket, there's a, a georgia vanderbilt are, uh no uh, georgia vanderbilt cheapest ticket is uh, sixty-eight dollars. It's at and James what? and James Madison's twenty-five dollars. So you be some, you be respectful. There's a okay. One of these ranked matchup has like a two-dollar ticket. Yes, well, yes, it does. And is it NC State and Syracuse. It is no. not. But I will <laughs> venture to say that the team that is home and the team that is ranked is the home of the best individual game performance we have seen from a quarterback in college football this season. The best individual the best. game performance by a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Washington State's not okay. ranked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, I see what Kyle's doing here. What's the? I, dude, that didn't help me at all. Uh, Here's like yeah. bi- these are all big programs. I have all the ranked matchups in front of me. Yep. All right. It, no, is it's it that not. Illinois Minnesota game? No, it, it is, is not. not. That game's twenty four bucks to get now. Oh my god. I don't know. Uh, I can just sit here and guess them all. I. The obvious ones have all been guessed. Give me one Kansas more. and Oklahoma. Is it Kansas yes. and Oklahoma? 26 bucks. Kansas so, and Oklahoma. Right conference, though. Okay, oh. then it has to be oh, for Iowa State, Texas. Two bucks. Iowa get State, in the door. Texas. Iowa State, you can Texas. get in to Texas Memorial Stadium for $2. What? What? And Quinn, Quinn Ewers against Oklahoma is the best individual season perform, or individual game performance we've seen from a college football quarterback this season. He was unreal. So you get to Watch go to see tape. Quinn Ewers, B. John Robinson, Jarrell Worthy. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson. Like, that's going to be a pretty decent game for two bucks. Right? If you're in Austin, what are you doing this weekend? Going to that game. <laughs> what you the world? Be. So, $2 ticket. All right. NFL, we got some good stuff going on there. Sure. Where do you want to start? Um... Well, I, I mean, I think there's some pillar games here that that exist. Uh, Ravens Giants. I think that's is that in the one o'clock slot. It is okay. the Wink Martindale revenge game. <sighs> Do you think? I mean, I know the Giants are coming off of the win over the the Packers. They're they're not as good of a team as a four and one record would indicate. But if they beat Baltimore, right? Like, sure. You th- now you're like okay, they're they're a find a way team. I don't know, man. They're not talented enough to, to do to do what they're doing. But they have the right defensive coordinator. If there's anybody that's going to know how to stop Lamar, I um, I don't know what the spread in this game, but I'll take the Ravens laying the points. Uh, Ravens minus five. Yeah, I'll take that. That's going to be oh, okay. Uh, it's fascinating. It's a measuring stick. 
happy to eat crow if I'm not right. Get it? You're it, the Ravens. Get off the show. Get off the Ca-caw! show. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, four thirty. You got Bills Chiefs. Bill, uh, you Bills could, Chiefs. You could take Patrick Mahomes with points at home in this game if you want him. First first time ever in Pat's career. First time he's ever been a home dog. Like, is that free money? Like, uh, the Bills fan is out of me right now. You take Patrick Mahomes with points at home, right, every single yes. time? every time. Twice on Sundays. There's certainly a, a script for Buffalo. Kansas City's red zone defense has been terrible this year. Their pass defense has been suspect. The Bills have present a really interesting challenge, all that stuff. But, like, Patrick Mahomes at home with points. I, I have a hard time with that. Yeah, pretty much. That game onward, is it's a great week. Right. The Thursday game is meh. You kind of have a compelling game. You don't have a lot of great record matchups in the one o'clock slate. But then you go Bills Chiefs at 425. Cowboys Eagles on Sunday night and then Broncos Chargers on no, no. Monday night. Don't, don't you try to convince me that that's going to be a good, fun game to watch all by itself. I think it will not be. Gonna, I think it's not going to happen. I think I gotta watch be. this stupid Broncos offense. Yeah, they got 11 that's, days or whatever to prepare for the game. Herbert, I mean, ride. I'm I'm in. I'll be there. Let's ride. I'd rather watch that. What's this Friday night game you're wanting to watch? Temple, <laughs> Temple and UCF and SMU Navy. Yeah, sign me up for Broncos Chargers every time over that. <laughs> Let's ride. <laughs> good weekend ahead. Good weekend ahead. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Good. Good slate. Uh, okay. So, are you willing? If you were had to do a parlay, money line parlay. All right. In Ravens, Giants, Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles. How do you do? No, it? no, I'm not. Be- I'm not betting that Bills Chiefs game. <laughs> feels like a trap. Feels like right. a trap. Right. That's why I'm not touching it, brother. Might need you, you know there the- with me. What are you? What are you doing Sunday? Get out there with me. <laughs> I'm doing a mock draft for Mon- for Sunday night. Oh, what an honor! I'll probably honor. do that in the one o'clock game instead of watching Skylar Thompson start against the Vikings. Since oh. that was just announced. Can I have fun with there's, that? There's got to be a path for Teddy to play, right? Like it. The the whole argument is because he can't do with the way concussion protocols work. He can't do any practice until Thursday today. And it's limited basis. So they're going to say, well, he's going to miss the whole week of practice and preparation. So we're going to move forward with the expectation that Skyler's going to start. Teddy will assuming concussion protocol for the concussion that I'm pretty sure he doesn't have. Uh, he clears, then he will be active for the game, but serve as the backup. Yeah, but so did, this is Marcel Louis Jacques brought this up the other day. How where uh, quarterbacks are always uh, non-contact, non-contact, right? Yeah. So it's a home game for Miami. You, Teddy can't practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and go play Sunday and give you a better chance to win than Skylar Thompson. That's just I'm just telling you what coach. Maybe maybe there's some game in, gamesmanship here. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, especially if he's not really concussed, like doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If I were to do a three-game money line parlay, however, and you said the first one we were doing is Ravens Giants, I'm taking the Ravens. Same. Um. I, I bet. I bet we could get a good p- payout for Seahawks over Cardinals. Right, Chris, oh, what do you got for me? Uh, I'm going to pull it up from our friends over at Bet Online. Just give me a second. I didn't know we were going to do this bit, but I will get it ready to go here. No, Stand I mean by. we're we're playing we're playing with <clears throat> house money because we're we're ahead of schedule for the segment. So get it gambling no, house money. Yeah, that's I, I get it. Get I understand. It? So E-Crow, what do we want to do house here? money. We're taking the Ravens money line. Keep them coming. Uh, I want to know what the C. I want to know what the Seahawks. That online wants Money me to log into is. my account, and I can understand why. But you just got is Arizona? You would think Arizona's favorite in this game? I would Should say they that, be. I, if they aren't, all right, take all right. it. Ra- Ravens it. money line. Ravens money line. The Cardinals. Yep. The C. The Cardinals are favored minus three on the road. So oh, let's go. Let's go. go. Give Our me the Seahawks Hawks. money line. Let's okay, fly. All right, easy. My. Easy. Let's easy. fly. Let's fly. Seahawks Nation, let's fly. Okay, what's the Seahawks third? country? Let's fly. What's what's the third? What's the third like here? We're taking the Chiefs. Um, no, I'm not touching that game. Okay, S- smart. 
Smart. I think I would take the Eagles money line over Dallas, though. Yeah, they're at home, home too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so and we, it doesn't sound doesn't sound good for Dak. Wait, <laughs> if Russell Wilson went to the Dolphins, just just go with it. What's he gonna say? Let's swim. What what is it? Why? Why is that where you went right there? I just want to go through all the teams in my head and figure out what all right, Russell can, Wilson would can say. Can that be a tomorrow told. bit? Can we do that the tomorrow bangles. on the show, please? Let's roar. <laughs> what if he's the Steelers or the Packers? What when he say? What do you say? Um, who day? <laughs> Bengals country. Who day? Who day? Who's on the Jets? Let's board. So that. <laughs> so the three team parlay over our, courtesy of our friends at Bet Online is uh it's plus three forty two. So you bet a hundred, you win three forty two. Uh, hypothetically, yeah, I I take that. Uh, Panthers country. Let's cry. Mm. I'm just glad we have we have uh, live music in Charlotte now that Dave Tepper's. Back. Okay, can we get <laughs> keep the show on the rails, please, gentlemen? Okay, yo, alrighty then. Yo, I saw that I saw that column that you shared on Wednesday so morning. God, oh my it, goodness, please. man! Did you read it? Yeah, I did. It's I did because so I've always been so fascinated by the whole dynamic because, like, obviously that's your the market that you live in, so. It's kind of like me with Philadelphia, right? It's like mm-hmm. they're not your team, but you kind of have like a, a heightened awareness to all the finer details because you're you're so immersed in it. And and I mean, he how awesome for a columnist to say like, "Hey, Dave Tepper, I know you're reading because you told me you could regurgitate all my columns. <laughs> so allow me to tell you how to get this thing on track. You need to be a better owner." And then go down the list. I'm like, "Oh my goodness Dude. gracious!" Like <laughs> it was he. So- he so ain't good. on the he ain't on the fruitcake mailing list for Christmas no. this year. I can tell you that. No, no media gift for Scott Fowler. But man, you crushed it, Scott. Great column. All right, where are we going, Chris? What are we well, doing? Big boards Chris are says, big anywhere boards are but su- here. Yeah, please. Sport, <laughs> big boards are supposed to be next, but I don't think it's the guy. You got to get him while you can, you know, in case right. Dave Tepper sells the team, you might not right. ever get a concert in Charlotte ever again. Live music goes with Dave Tepper. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Chris, you're the so producer mad. of the show. Let's go. I've, go asked on, three, I've asked three times to go to the big boards and you guys won't okay. do it. So what do you want it. me to do here? <clears throat> what are we let's big ride. boarding, Chris? <laughs> we are let's, big boarding today. Stack. I'm Okay, on the show today for Big Boards, we are ranking the top three games that we have been in attendance to. Now, some of us, when we originally thought of the idea, talked about the finishes to games. I will say two of mine are because of the finish uh, of the game. One of them is because of the monumental nature of the game when looking back on it in hindsight. So I have three. I have one baseball and two college football on my list. So do we start with number three. We work our way to number one. For those of you who have never been with us before for this, we start with number three. We all say our number three. We talk about it and we move on. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. So at, at number three, I personally put the game that the three of us were just at on Saturday, number three on my list of games that I've been in attendance to, because when we walked into that building, when we walked into Bryant Denny's, my first time that I had ever been there, I had no thought in my brain that it was going to come down to the last play of the game with Texas A&M having a chance to win. So because that was not the expectation going in, mm. and that was kind of the reason for the list starting in the first place, I felt it needed to be warranted. So it is number three for me. Uh, I'd like to start with a couple of honorable mentions if I can. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been to two uh, New York Mets games that went to extra innings. One went to 10 innings. One went to 12. And uh, the final score was one to zero. The other team uh, won a a magical, a magical walk off walk with the bases loaded uh, against the Nationals. And uh, I don't remember how the game was won, but it was one to nothing Braves uh, in Atlanta. But I got to see Flo Rida in concert after. So it really, you know, brought us all back. It was well worth it, right? Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. What a magical performance that was. Uh, My real number three is uh, Tennessee versus Georgia Tech 2017. Uh, it was the Chick-fil-A kickoff game that year. Overtime. Um, yeah, oh, double overtime, 42-41 to 41 win for the Vols. Butch Jones, the coach. Uh, Tennessee was down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, uh, came back to tie it. They had some big uh, turnovers, some takeaways in the fourth quarter to 
get to overtime and then you know they, they made it happen uh, late in the game but uh fun, fun game first time at mercedes-benz um and uh it was a, it was a thriller I have a couple honorable mentions as well. Uh, let's start with West Virginia, Virginia Tech at uh, FedEx Field. That was in 2017. Uh, this was 31-24 final Virginia Tech. Will Greer on the final possession of the game takes West Virginia down the field. They get three shots in the red zone uh, and do not score to tie the game. Really entertaining game. So that was one of my honorable mentions. Uh, another one of my honorable mentions was the game that we were just at collectively, the three of us, really entertaining finish. Uh, I have two more. My apologies. Uh, Memphis UCLA 2017. This was the Josh Rosen game. Well, the, uh, the, I think I it was 48-45 final score or whatever. Josh um, Rosen threw one of the worst picks I've ever seen a quarterback throw in that game. He did. Now, he was... 34 of 56 for 463 yards and four touchdowns in that game. Uh, and Riley Ferguson for Memphis was 23 of 38 for 398 Riley yards and Ferguson. six touchdowns. So, yeah, 93 combined points. Uh, really, really, enter- it was a track meet. There was no defense. This is effectively a, a Big 12 game, but that was a really entertaining one. Uh, and then that same year, I did. Um, Arizona State, Oregon, and that was uh, an upset for Arizona State at home, and they won 37-35, knocked off Justin Herbert and uh, a ranked team. So uh, that was really entertaining game as well. So my third place finish was, again, 2017, was busy that year. Uh, Michigan, number three, Michigan, losing to the Iowa Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium by a final score of 14 to 13 on a walk-off field goal by Iowa. Guys, want to hear some team stats from this game? Would love to. What would you guess the combined passing yards in this game were for Michigan, a number three, Michigan and Iowa? 250. 210. 169 combined passing yards. Wow. Just for the two teams. Modern and modern football at its how, finest. How many, how many total yards for both teams combined? Uh, 300. I'll go, it, I'll it, go 450. It wasn't that bad. It was 430. Um, so it's 10-0 Michigan. Then Iowa gets a safety. Then they managed to scrap out a touchdown before half, missed the two-point conversion. Michigan goes down the field, takes a, a lead. They get the ball back. They go three and out in 31 seconds. Um, it, it turns out there's a big return by Desmond King on the punt, and they get a face mask penalty, and Iowa manages to scrap out and, and kicks a 33-yard field goal as time expires to knock off in a night game environment the number three team in the country. It's very, it was a lot about the environment and the, the upset there. Is that number three, or those are all your honorable that's, mentions? That's number three. The other, okay, ones were, so the we, other four so, were my honorable mentions. So we've all done number three, right? Yes. We go to number two on the list. For me, May 15th, 2014, I made a one-hour uh, trip into uh, the into City Field in New York to watch just a, a game between couple of couple of teams called the Mets and the Yankees and at that game starting for the first time in his career they called him up some kid didn't know who he was what he was going to do his name was Jacob DeGrom of the New York Mets so I did not know at the time that this was what this was going to be but I was at Jacob DeGrom's first start uh, in his illustrious MLB career so that one makes the list for me at number two outstanding uh number two for me LSU Bama 2019 LSU won 46 to 41. Uh, the Tigers were leading three to 33 to 13 uh, at halftime. Bama kept coming back. Some big explosive plays late. The 85 yard touchdown to Devonta Smith. But uh, every time LSU, or excuse me, every time Alabama got within a touchdown, LSU just scored again, right? And just uh, uh, a really closely contested game. Uh, the 2019 LSU target, Tigers, one of the best teams ever in the history of college football. 
And uh, seeing them going to Tuscaloosa uh, was something I'll never forget. And obviously had great company with me there and uh, Mr. Kyle Krabs and Miss Paige Tamakos. Uh, that is also my number two game. A lot of NFL talent on the field. Obviously, Joe, as you set the stage of, of the Alabama storming back, uh, two teams that were top, I think they were one, two in the AP and the co- the coaches poll at the time that they played. Either one, two or one, yeah. three. Something like that. Um, yeah. 46-41 final score came down to a, an onside kick at the end that, that LSU recovered. Uh, number one for me, I have to go all the way back to my days as a member of the Sun Devil student section. Uh, September, I think it was 15th, 14th, 2013. The At the time, 20th ranked Wisconsin Badgers, led by a running back known as Melvin Gordon, came to town. And one of the wildest final plays sequences to a game that I have ever seen. So Joel Stave takes Wisconsin down the field and puts them in field goal range. The kick a field goal would have won them the game 33-32. to 32. He takes the snap, takes like two steps to his left, and goes to take a knee but doesn't actually put his knee down and then puts the ball down. Well, mm. what ensues, Will Sutton of Arizona State falls on the ball, holds on to it for a little bit. Wisconsin didn't have any timeouts, didn't know what to do. Clock hit zero. Pac-12 after dark. Pac-12 officials said, nope, the game is over, and ASU wins a game that they should not have won. And again, I was in the student section for this game, so there's no broadcast to explain what's happening. It's just happening right in front of us because that's the end of the field that they were in. It was craziness. And uh, yeah, the the Taylor Kelly led Arizona State Sun oh, Devils Taylor Kelly in chaotic fashion against what Wisconsin, thirty two to thirty. Jalen Strong in that game. Um, yeah, Evan, the chat for me. Melvin Melvin Gordon in that game, fifteen carries, one hundred ninety three yards, and two touchdowns. Solid choice there, Mr. Chris. Uh, I do want to shout out, <clears throat> Kyle, you talked about a, pa- a game that you went to, uh, the Iowa-Michigan game, right, with uh, very little passing yard production. I was at an NFL game in uh, 2004. The Browns and the Bills and the Cleveland Browns combined to have negative three passing yards in the game. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> Luke McCown and Jeff Garcia uh, collaborating on uh, that effort. It's the barn burner, uh, they- huh? Yeah, dude, they had 26 total yards in the game. 26. Uh, the Bills won 37 to seven um, behind uh, uh, Drew Bledsoe and um, was it Will- Yeah, Willis McGahee had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, negative negative two in, in the NFL. Uh, my number one game. This is one that uh, Chris Schubert could only have dreamed of being at, and it was at uh, the Peach Bowl when UCF won the national championship over Auburn. They they didn't uh, though. <laughs> National you, champion. You wouldn't UCF be convinced they didn't. Knights. They did. They did. Yeah. Though. Scott Frost's last good moment of his coaching career, uh, thirty-four to twenty-seven win. Jarrett Stidham with a chance to win the game for Auburn late, uh, threw an interception in the end zone uh, with twenty-four seconds left in the game. UCF preserves the win. The confetti falls. Scott Frost uh, gives a spirited message and then bolts for Nebraska. But uh, that was a, a big time finish, and and obviously like. People weren't really giving UCF much of a chance. Auburn, the SEC team, was supposed to do what they do, but uh, the mid-major came through and won the national championship that day. Um, I'm going to be annoying. Can I get another honorable mention? I just remembered a game. No, sure. you cannot. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'll, this, say, I'll allow it. Um, it's another top six team getting upset on the road by an unranked team. Uh, and Joe, one of your players was a critical piece of the puzzle in this game. The Navy midshipman in Annapolis Ed, Ed. knocking off the Houston Cougars. Uh, Ed Oliver actually got chop blocked in this game and, and missed like half the game because that's, you know, it's wing T and option offense, right? It's, 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 we're going to cut you down up front. Uh, 46 to 40 final score. Um, Memphis was down like three touchdowns or Houston was down like, 17 points or something like that. And they come storming back and they force a punt and they get a final possession and it turns into one of those crazy frantic lateral plays. And the, the game is over and all of the uh, Academy rushes the field. I was there with my wife that day. It was a really fun game. Uh, but my final is one that I was just at a couple of weeks ago. It feels like an eon ago based on the way that things oh. have generally gone <laughs> since. Good call. Uh, 
Uh, but the Miami Dolphins coming back from 21 points down in the fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens to win by a final score of uh, 42 to 38 is the number one uh, game that I have attended just because of the sheer improbability that was required and, and being somebody who has an affinity for the road team uh, in a home environment where you're amongst all the other fans and, and kind of seeing everybody's souls melt away in the stands was kind of fun. In addition to obviously the, uh, the performance on the field and kind of the, the realization of, of what you hoped they, the dolphins could be, and hopefully they get healthy and, and can prove to be that team over a larger sample size as the uh, season presses onwards. But yeah. You know really that Tua Tagovailoa is, Tua is uh, currently number three in the NFL in passing yards where he targets a player 20 yards or more down the field and he's missed the last six quarters, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty mm-hmm. impressive, right? Pretty yeah, they, they, they were pretty, they, they were pretty productive there over that, uh, that three game stretch in, in those 20 yards. And obviously he made a lot more of a living from 10 to 19, which was an area that really didn't exist in the offense uh, in 2021. So we'll, we'll see what he looks like when he comes back. We found out yesterday he's uh back on the practice field, but will not play against Minnesota expectation. Probably if things progress well, as we'll see him in week seven. Uh, nobody cares about your fantasy team. And nobody we got a tweet. We got a tweet about my fantasy team and Phil called me out yesterday for yesterday's show. And I think, I think it was very fair and none of, none of us picked up on it at the time, but I think this is extremely accurate. Uh, Phil tweeted in and said, feel like the true reason that Chris had pits in below expectations is he drafted high in fantasy and was getting nothing from him. Couldn't, couldn't be more true there. Phil couldn't be more true. I, I abandoned ship uh, on the Kyle pitch train. Uh, nobody cares about your fantasy team. And once again, for the third straight, third straight week in a row, Joe Marino is the one that comes to the table with a player that he would like to talk about <laughs> with nobody cares about your fantasy team. Uh, you want to tell, you want to talk to the people about Jamar chase. Yeah, I do. Um, and also, thank you for uh, that introduction there, because the reason this segment exists is because of what you just did there, where you took a player that's perfectly fine and put him in a bad tier because he's uh, not producing for your fantasy team. My wife, <clears throat> excuse me, she was going through her lineup yesterday. <laughs> she's like, she's she's like mad about Justin Herbert as her quarterback. She's like. I'm I'm sitting his ass down. <laughs> no, don't. don't I'm like, do wait, that. wait. <laughs> do you think like you're doing yeah, it like I'm going to teach him a lesson? I'm right. Teach him like, a lesson. <laughs> oh boy, Justin Herbert's going to throw for ten touchdowns next time you put him in there because you said I'm sitting his ass down. Yeah, you you just got to play your best players and live with the result. That's right. just the way it's got to go. Well, I can tell you that her fantasy team will be starting Kirk Cousins this week instead of Justin Herbert. So um, we'll we'll see if that if that works out for. Um, I want to talk about Jamar Chase, like Chris said, and what I want to touch on here is is the perceived start to the season for Jamar Chase, because I think collectively people feel like maybe he's not producing like he did last year, and um, to which I would say, kind of, he's on pace to have more catches this year through five games than he had last year. He's on pace for 109 catches. Last year, he had 106. He's on pace for 180 targets. The opportunity is absolutely there for Jamar Chase. What's different is the yardage, right? That's where things are different this year. The opportunity and the receptions are fully on pace. But uh, so far, he's on pace for 1,166 yards. Last year, he was over 1,400 at 1,455. There's a simple explanation for this. It's average depth of target and yards after catch per reception. Last year, he was targeted on average, 12.9 yards down the field. This year, it's 9.5. So you got a three-yard difference there. Yards after catch per reception. Last year was 7.8. This year, it's 4.2. So, folks, it just comes down to this. He's not getting targeted as far down the field, and he's not producing like he did last year after the catch, which I think are two things that are a little bit out of his control to an extent. And then, obviously, the touchdowns, right? 13 touchdowns last year was a big part of Jamar Chase and the hype for this year. But as we've kind of gotten into with receivers, they're pretty random. Receiving touchdowns is a random number. Uh, it's not – I don't think you can ever really count on any one receiver consistently being a double-digit touchdown guy. And so I think just kind of layering that all together, 
I, I think should put us in the right frame of mind for Jamar Chase and what he's actually doing for the Bengals this year. And a good reminder of how the ancillary components of the offense could affect a player's production. And then, of course, the uh, the randomness that is receiving touchdowns for wide receivers. Um, well, let me let me jump in here real quick, Chris, because Joe mentioned yak per reception. Yep. And just kind of I, I haven't found the statistic that is yak per reception sorted as far as like what the leaders were last year. But I know like Debo Samuel had four less receptions and 130 more yak yards than what Jamar mm-hmm. Chase did. But then like Cooper Cup had about 200 more yak yards on uh, about 64 extra catches than what Jamar Chase did last year. And those were the top three in the NFL. And then you get guys like Austin Eckler, who had 70 receptions and had 604 so or 627. So he had more yak per reception than Jamar Chase did. But you talked about the volatility of touchdowns. And go back and revisit some of those long touchdowns that Jamar yep. Chase had. Like, go back to the Baltimore game, right? Where, like, literally three DBs bounced off Jamar Chase. If you go back and you played that 100 times, how many times does he get tackled? A lot. And that that is nothing to take away from Jamar Chase as a football player, but that's kind of just the volatility of of some of those explosive plays that he made. And and I think what's interesting is the emergence of T. Higgins on the other side and kind of NFL teams kind of committing to shading to Jamar Chase. Further prompts, if they're going to play the safety over top, well, now we got to run his routes a little more shallow in addition to the protection still not being great in Cincinnati. So I think all these things kind of fuel into one another to this point where we've seen good production from Jamar Chase, but not necessarily all pro production from Jamar Chase. Correct. Not there's a lot of season left. He could break some 80 yarders. He's got right. the skill set to do it. Right. But hadn't happened yet. Hadn't been part of the equation yet. The thing that I was just going to add to that, uh, Joe, is you mentioned how the touchdowns aren't necessarily there to the rate that they were a year ago and how that kind of happens with receivers. It happens with everybody. It happens with running backs. It happens with tight ends. Like, that's just the way it works. Like, how many times, if you're a Nick Chubb fantasy owner, are you frustrated by the fact Mm. that when they get in the red zone, like Kareem Hunt's getting those touches, where Nick Chubb does a lot of the work to get him all the way down there. He breaks off the big gainer but doesn't get in. Like, that's – the touchdowns are not, to me, the deciding factor of whether or not – a player is playing well or not, right? Though that is just an end result to the rest of the process. And so for fantasy, yeah, because touchdowns are the big, the point getter. That's your, those are your six points or four points, however it works in your league. And so that's the thing that everybody goes, oh, this guy sucks. He doesn't get into the end zone. Well, wait a minute. That's not exactly how it works. And what you normally see is touchdown regression, whereas a guy puts up eight, 10 touch, touchdowns one year, and the next year he comes back and he's only got five or six, and people think he sucks the next year, where it's just a no touchdowns are very hard to come by they're not a very you know consistent thing with the way football's played i want to ask you guys a question of the top 16 players in the nfl last year in yak how many of them were wide receivers okay top 16 players in yak how many of them were wide receivers mm-hmm. and joe what's your yak in total yak what's your what's the number you said top 10 Top 16. Oh, 16? Joe, what were you thinking? Well, let him get his head around 16 instead 16 of 16 first. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. I, I guess I would guess almost all of them. Um, really? I was kind of yeah. I was kind of thinking half or less than half. No, I don't think so. Who's the good yak tight ends? Kittle and Kelsey, right? Was Waller was Waller good last year? I can tell you Darren Waller was not in the top 16 in Yak. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that yes. help. Running backs is where it could get interesting. Like, you'd have to think screen game running back. But even then, like, Ac- if you can't, it's they're, receivers Eckler average Jones. like eight yards per catch, dude. Okay. I did because I do all this when I do the stat projections for the Bills every year. I look into all this stuff and receiver, like, good running backs average like eight yards per catch. I'm guessing a lot of that's Yak, though. So, do you want to, do you want, you want to go 12, 13 receivers? Is that how, is that how high you want to go yeah, with this? I would, and I would say at least 12 or 13. Really? Yes. All right. I don't love it, but you, you're, you've, you're so convicted about it that I'll go with you. So we will we will submit 12 as our official well, answer. And remember, there's volume here, right? The, the, so it's total yak. 
So it's not yak per. Mm-hmm. And so you think about the accumulation of yak okay. over 80 receptions at even three or four yards per reception. Yeah, it's, so you've it's, already it's high. You've already it's convinced high. me. So you yeah, want to go 12, high. leave us some wiggle room? No, I would go 14. Thir- let's go in the middle. Let's go 13. 13. I love it when a plan comes together. Just nine of the top 16 were wide receivers. Joe, what? I told you. Barely Joe, half. I, to- I told you it was around half. You didn't listen. So so listen, right? This, this ultimately, a lot of this comes down to depth of target. This also comes down to uh, covered shells and working underneath. Joe, you mentioned for the running backs, uh, Austin Eckler on the year last year had 647 receiving yards, and he had 627 of those were after contact. Yeah. It's the first name I mentioned, Joseph. You go to DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift had 452 total yards receiving last year and 502 yak. He had more yak yards than he actually had receiving yards because of catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Najee Harris had 467 receiving yards, 499 yak yards after contact. He also had more yak than true yards past the line of scrimmage last year. Leonard Fournette, 454 receiving, 449 of those were yak. So for Jamar Chase to be third in the NFL in yak, and the top three were were wide receivers in Cup, Samuel, and Chase, but Samuel's certainly a unique situation. I think the true volume of Cooper Cup catching 145 balls, he caught 22 more passes than anybody else in the NFL last year. I think that that's how he ends up at the top of the, the totem pole here. And then you have Debo Samuel with his role in the backfield and all the opportunities he got lining up and playing running back. And I think that further puts into context like Jamar Chase's 651 last year as this really abnormally high number for a guy who only caught 81 passes in total. Just don't know how sustainable that that expectation is year over year, right? But I think for for Yak and, and Mark Andrews uh, was in the top 16. George Kittle was in the top 16. Travis Kelsey was in the top 16. So he had four running well, backs and three tight ends. I'm, I'm heated. I'm hot. Because you went along with me? Yeah. I'm mad at myself. All right. Well, as long as you're mad at yourself. Um, what could help Chase, Kyle, on, on this is – He's on pace for 180 targets. Last year was like 128. 128. Yeah. Yep. So now he's got to be more efficient with those with those targets, right? Because the, the the receptions are just barely up. But if he becomes more efficient on the targets he is getting, you know, there's going to be a yak component there that maybe not on a per reception basis is super impressive, but just kind of the Cooper Cup theory that you know if you're getting that much volume, it's going to turn into that level of production. Okay, this is fun. Let's take Yak in general, right? We've kind of turned this into a bigger scale conversation. Through five weeks, what is the distribution of tight ends and running backs versus wide receivers in Yak for 2022? What what tight ends are having big years? Kelsey, right? Andrews has been pretty good to start the year. Right. What's our number here, Kyle? Top 16. Six, we'll 16. Keep, same we'll number as same, last we'll time. Keep the same energy. Top 16. Same parameters. The silence is Joe and I working through it, just so everybody understands. Joe and I are staring at each other trying to figure out what we want to do here. I mean, Eckler just had some huge plays. Yeah, but he was, um, but he was slow start to the year. Really slow start to the year. But was it rushing or was it receiving? I'm in my head now. I have no idea. Yeah, so you fl- we flustered Joe. Joe, I've lost Joe, and he's. Do you think to it's? Be the, do you he, think it's more or less than than seven tight ends and running backs out of sixteen? Well, I think less, but I think just it's because it, it's not standing out. Um, I'm just in my head. I'm just imagining a lot of big plays by receivers that came with Yak. Well, all right, Joe. Do you want to go down with the ship again? I'm going less. I'm not going down with you. I think it's less than seven. Oh, there's no going down. I, I went down with you last time. What are you? Chris, what are you talking? Chris, about? You're saying just, it's more. Chris, Chris, be your own man. Make your own decision. Let's go. We got to find more. Gotta more. The more. Nine tight ends and running backs in the top sixteen through five more, weeks. Right? It's two more than what it was last year. Yes, there's. It's more than half right now. 
Austin Eckler is one in the NFL in yak. Dallas Godard is two in the NFL in yak. Leonard Fournette is four in the NFL in yak. Christian McCaffrey, seven. Tyler Higby, eight. Saquon Barkley, 11. Brees Hall, 14. David Njoku, 15. Joe Mixon, 16. Jamar Chase, 17. He's not even in the top 16. So we, so we romanticize Yak at wide receiver, but in reality, it's a lot more of the guys underneath because they are catching more shallow targets and there's more room to work and dump offs and check downs and consistency. And Eckler, once again, has more Yak than he does actual receiving yards on the year. Leonard Fournette has more Yak than he has receiving yards thus far. Christian McCaffrey, more yak than actual true receiving yards. These are guys are all catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Saquon Barkley, more yak than actual receiving yards. Fascinating. Fascinating study in yak. You, you can tell you flustered, Joe. Joe's very flustered by what happened there. Well, let's... No, let's I'm blaring we'll, it all together. We'll, we'll regroup. We'll come back next year. And the, all these statistics are courtesy of ESPN. So... If, if you use a different resource, you might have different numbers, but I'm just here to tell you that I'm using ESPN.com. That is going to do it for us today on the show. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks to your friends over at Ben Online for their continued support of the show. Make it a great rest of your day, and we will talk with you all again tomorrow for Takes on Takes. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you were at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.